0: Hello, I'm Will Yeoman, and welcome to another episode of The Pod Well Travelled, where today I am joined by journalist and photographer Moens Johansson. Moens, welcome to The Pod Well Travelled, or welcome back, I should say.
1: Yeah, thanks very much, Will. Thanks. It's been a little good while. To be here. Yeah, look, um, later yeah,
0: on, later, later on the show uh, we we have got a guest. We've got uh, Siobhan McManamy, who is the acting chief executive at Tourism Ireland. She was recently in Australia, so we took the opportunity to catch up with her about all things Irish. And she's got some um, fantastic tips on uh, what to do and see and where to stay if you are thinking of travelling to Ireland. Not just any time soon, but actually all year round, which is a good point she makes. That it doesn't matter what time of the year you visit Ireland, it is. The the best time, Moen's, um, are you yeah. a fan? <laughs> Have you? Been no, I'm, to I'm a fan.
1: Yeah, yes? I haven't actually been, but I I enjoy a pint of Guinness. It, <laughs>
0: <I>? <laughs> well, she does mention for, if you go over there in winter, those cosy pubs. There's nothing like them. So yeah,
1: exactly. good advice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, Irish whiskey doesn't go astray either. <laughs> but uh, yeah you you can tell what's on my mind you know Indeed. but no it would be a lovely it would be a lovely place to go and visit i'm sure i've seen and heard many great things about it so
0: no absolutely uh, yeah
1: mm. i look forward to to listening to what she has to
0: say Indeed, okay look in the meantime and much closer to home um, we're going to talk a little bit about photography uh, first of all you and I recently did one of the photo walks with phones in, in East Perth in Western Australia and secondly you, you reviewed um, a new DSLR camera from, from Canon I, I recall um, so we've got the two contrasting ends of the spectrum there I guess the, the mobile phone camera and the yeah. I guess the more sort of uh, usual camera that one is, is used to
1: yeah, that's That's exactly right. Yeah, but uh shall we start with the photo walk because I, I thought that was a that was a particularly good good morning last Sunday there when uh, we met down at East Perth. It was uh it was a little bit uh cool to begin with, but uh, a perfect morning in in every other aspect.
0: Absolutely. And maybe just uh if you could tell listeners a little bit about the actual area we were in because it's it's quite unique, isn't it? And there's there's actually a lot of variety in you know, a very small um Radius.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we, we met down at uh, Claysbrook Cove uh, in East Perth, which is uh, right opposite the uh, the new stadium uh, across the river. And, uh, you know, there's the Madagascar Bridge uh, that, that spanned the river, of course, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the cove itself, the parklands around there. Uh, the sort of, um, like we were talking about, down there that it, it's sort of like the the area is sort of matured it's uh, the buildings are, are you know you you feel like you could be somewhere in europe don't you when you walk around
0: oh absolutely yeah i mean so when, when, when you're looking across that um the water you, you and you look at some of the the townhouses there it actually reminds you of amsterdam a bit with those sort of narrow buildings and then and the canal yeah doesn't it or or even venice if we want to stretch the imagination a little bit <laughs> <laughs> like a little venice yeah
1: <laughs> yeah exactly no, but it's it's a great place in particular for uh, you know to to practice all kinds of uh, you know photographic composition techniques and and uh, you know there's some some great variety of of uh, pictures that you can you can collect from that area. So it's a you know we we should probably use that more for our photo walks than we have done in the past because it's a really pleasant place to. To walk around and uh, you know there's even a coffee shop or two along the way if if you have got time to stop for one of one of those along the way.
0: Yeah look I think you're right there is so much variety and it gives people a chance to to learn new skills and exercise the skills they already have. I mean what, what, what I found interesting was that sometimes when you're helping someone you're they'll be focusing so much on the subject that they actually forget that the phone's on a tilt and that's why having those horizon lines, as well as the the, the rule of thirds lines, um, as the grid, is quite useful, isn't it? Because it just reminds you that, hang on a second, your phone's not quite, you know,
1: um, level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. now I mean, there's so so many little things that uh, you know you don't necessarily think about, you know, when you when you use your phone camera and. Uh, you know, the, the grid that you mentioned that uh, can be turned on in just about every phone I know of mm. uh, is a really helpful guide in, in many ways. You know, uh, in, in, in the most simple application, I guess, is just to get the horizon straight there. But, but the grid lines also can help you, you know, place the, the main object in the, the photograph in the, uh, a, a pleasing sort of uh, area of the, the frame, if I can put it that way.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Now, um, for listeners, when 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 are the next photo walks? I guess we've got a we've got a couple. Well, me and Stephen Scarfield have got a couple coming up in Albany next yes. weekend. Um Sorry, not 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 next weekend. The weekend after. So not this weekend. The weekend after, and I. But I think they're already sort of pretty much booked out. Um, but that's yeah. that's going to be a fascinating place to to take photographs in, and then then in September, you and Stephen are doing a couple of photo walks in York. So we're really getting getting out and about, aren't we, with these walks?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really nice that uh, that we're sort of reaching out into the regions a little bit and and uh, giving people out out there, our readers out there, an opportunity to uh, to sort of participate in it because it has been a really sort of popular initiative. And uh, but but basically, I mean, we've got them coming up quite regularly. Uh, so I guess the tip is to uh, to subscribe to our e-travel newsletter, where we generally launch these uh, travel club events first. That's um, an excellent tip. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's certainly well worthwhile. And and uh, I think you just go to uh, West Travel Club dot uh, com au yeah. forward slash forward slash join isn't it and then the, you're you're basically subscribed to the e travel newsletter which comes in uh, your inbox every Wednesday
0: absolutely and and you're right to bring it up because you know although we we also advertise the the walks in the newspaper as well on on the um, weekends um, you get to hear about them first in e travel and and the the idea behind that is that that they sell out so quickly so it actually is important that you get to find out before everyone else.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you know one of the one of the other good things uh, about the photo walks is that they're they're sort of quite intimate. You know, they, we usually limit them to about twenty people, and there's mm-hmm. two of us doing them, so there's plenty of time to ask questions and, and uh, to help uh, participants set up the the phones. You know, if they they're not quite sure of how to to use particular aspects of their phone, uh, we've we've got time to to go through it and help help them set up and all that sort of stuff so absolutely it's, it's really
0: good uh, well said now let's talk about something that will tempt the, the the camera professional and camera enthusiast you've just been reviewing um a lovely bit of kit and i, I have read the review that you wrote and it, it sounds absolutely brilliant
1: yeah yeah it is a it is a really nice uh, nice bit of travel kit i think for for those uh, those people who want to take the photography sort of uh, to the next level, sort of beyond the phone, I guess, uh, and, and you know, aspire to that little bit of extra quality and perhaps play around with some of the, uh, you know, many options there are in, in many of these sort of mirrorless cameras these days. Uh, this new one, which is uh, part of a, a new uh, or a pair of of uh, cameras that uh, Canon have just released. Um, they're called the um, R7 and R10, mm. and they're basically a mirrorless camera with a uh, what we call a crop sensor in them. So it's an APS-C for those who who know their sensors. Mm. Uh, it's a step down from from the full frame sensor, which you know is equivalent to a 35 millimeter film for those who go back to the film days um, but the advantage of, of the the slightly smaller sensor it's not smaller by a long way but uh, it's uh, it is that they can build the cameras a little bit smaller and and the lens is that when you put them on uh, there's, a, there's a what they call a crop factor okay. and it means that means that uh, basically you get a little bit of extra reach out of, of, of the lens so the lens I used on this particular camera was a an eighteen to uh, 18 to one hundred and fifty. Sorry, okay. And effectively, that's equivalent to a thirty-five to three hundred millimeter lens, mm. which is I'm sure you'd agree is a it's, it's a pretty <laughs> handy it's, range, it's very
0: generous range. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah,
1: uh, and but it's it's really compact. So mm. so this uh, this camera is is really versatile uh it's top-notch notch quality and uh yeah it, it combined with that lens it's kind of like a really good sort of travel uh, camera even if you are on things like uh you know a safari or like your bird photography and that sort of stuff you can you can actually get some good shots with mm. with the reach that this particular lens offers.
0: So, so if we had the the body and perhaps just that lens alone, what 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 would you be looking at roughly? Uh,
1: that new lens there with the camera body costs uh, a little bit under three thousand dollars. Mm. So, two thousand eight hundred ninety nine is the Canon recommended price. Uh, that's for the R seven. The R 10 is slightly cheaper. It com- comes in just over two thousand dollars for this with the same lens, but that can also be purchased with a, either uh, a smaller lens called 18 to 45, and uh, that'll come in at sixteen forty nine if you wow. if you choose that option. So look, th- so those
0: those prices all sound fantastic, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's sort of um,
1: you know it's. I mean, obviously, some people who might they might balk at the nearly three thousand for the uh, EOS R Seven, but uh, mm. if you if you you know two thousand dollars, I think for the EOS R Ten, uh, with with that excellent travel lens, uh, the R Ten also comes with a, with a pop up uh, built in flash, uh, so so you've got a really good bit of kit there for just over two thousand dollars that that really it is definitely a step up from from what your phone cameras and even you know compact cameras can do
0: absolutely look and and even if you keep keep in mind that if you go out and buy a flagship phone nowadays you you know say like the iphone 13 pro or the s22 ultra if you're an android person you're getting close to two thousand bucks anyway you know yeah exactly. exactly it does put it in perspective doesn't it
1: yeah, and I think you know the other thing to to remember with these types of cameras is that it is it is something that you can build on. I mean, mm. uh, it, you can buy if if you know you get sort of really enthusiastic about things, you can buy you know additional lenses uh, to suit various uh, interests you might have. So if you're into to uh, Bird photography—you might want something with a little bit more reach, um, and uh, so. But there's plenty of lenses available there, and at affordable prices as well. Mm. Um, And and the other thing I should mention about these particular Canon cameras, you know, they they are compatible with the uh, full-frame mirrorless uh, lens mount. Right. Okay. So. So uh, you know, there's a huge amount of lenses available. Uh, so so it's really, it's a good system to sort of that you can really build on if you mm. if you're looking sort of a bit further ahead, and it's not gonna it's not gonna date as such.
0: Yeah, look, that's a really good point if you're gonna make that kind of investment. Now look, you know, what? Uh, so, <clears throat> so go. On.
1: Yeah, I was just going to mention just a, a couple of sort of key things. I think with this R7, which I tested. Uh, I found found really good. I mean, first of all, the 32 megapixel APS-C sensor there is, is uh, you know, it's it's a really nice quality uh, sensor, and it gives some fantastic pictures. I've just been sitting here putting the the pictures into the story folder, and uh, you know, they they really come up a treat, you know, in particular when you see them on a nice big screen. Mm, okay. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a sort of camera it is. It can also shoot, uh, you know, up to 30 frames per second uh, continuously using the electronic shutter inside or 15 frames per second if it's the mechanical shutter. Um, and, you know, it's got super fast sort of um, autofocus. Uh, it's got a really good sort of uh, in-body uh, stabilizing system um, I was down by the uh, by the river close to my house here last night uh, just shooting a, a couple of pictures and uh, hand holding it you know and you I I've got some really nice results hand holding a sort of close to around a second um, which is is pretty unheard of you mm. know if you're holding a camera with a with a bit of a tele lens on you know so I was effectively shooting with uh, you know, the 150, which is equivalent to a 300-millimeter lens. Yeah, yes. Yeah, sure. And for those who know their photography, you know, when you have, you know, it's a bit like looking through binoculars. When you're you looking through a, a, a telephoto lens, any little movement is magnified. Mm. Um, and and to be able to, to sort of handhold, uh, you know, at, at slow shutter speeds is, is really, you know, it just really sort of broadens what you can do with a camera. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with it, I must say. No, it really? sounds like
0: it. And it doesn't sound like you want to be giving it back anytime soon, but I suppose you have to. No, unfortunately, <laughs>
1: it's sitting in the box
0: down on my dining room table and <laughs> waiting to go. waiting to go. Oh, that's a shame. Now, I think yeah. we might hear from uh, Siobhan McManamy on um, Ireland and its many delights before we come back to talk about your forthcoming Mediterranean cruise because I'm pretty keen to get a little bit of a sneak preview on that. So let's hear from Siobhan now. Hello, Siobhan. Well, welcome to the Podwell Travel. Look, you're far away from home at the moment. How's, how's your stay in Australia been so far? I guess it's been a bit of a whirlwind for you.
2: Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. I think everyone is just enjoying being able to travel again and it's, it's been great to be back in Australia um, and just, it's been such a warm welcome. I think everyone's delighted to see visitors from overseas. Um, <laughs> Do the same
0: in ireland absolutely now i think it's fair to say that it's been a long time between drinks for many australians in terms of visiting ireland um and you know the att- attraction's always been quite clear but i mean look in your mind in the last two or even up to three years can can australians visiting Ireland expect to see any any particular differences i know there are things that have sprung up like like at the game of thrones studio tour and so forth but any- anything else that's worthy of note
2: Um, I think, no, I think it's both been interesting is that the Irish have discovered um, Ireland over the last few years. Mm. So um, there's all of these new experiences. And I think what you'll find is there's a lot of new things like food tours and new smaller experiences like surf lessons and, and things along the coast. Um, and I think the Irish people are so much um, more comfortable giving advice on what overseas visitors should do in <laughs> Ireland because they've experienced it themselves. And um, we fell back in love with our own country, which I think was a great thing um, for us.
0: Oh, that sounds fantastic. Now, I mean, what also fascinates me is you've got these extremes of experiences catering for different tastes. We, we're thinking about the centenary of the publication of James Joyce's Ulysses today, and of course, Bloomsday is a, a very popular event on everyone's calendar, almost no matter where you are in the world. And then you've got the Game of Thrones studio too, which I just mentioned as well. And I find that that incredibly rich um, cultural uh, sort of experience is, is, is one of the attractions, certainly, wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah, and it all goes back to creativity, and I think um, we're very creative people, whether it be in filmmaking or um, in literature, and uh, one of the really interesting things about Bloomsday and um, the Centenary of Ulysses is just the wide appeal of it. We we did a big event in Madrid last week um, for the centenary, and you wouldn't expect uh, a non-English speaking market to be that invested in it, but... um, yeah it was kind of embarrassing all of these people who english is their second language had read it um, and <laughs> when many of us struggled to get past the first chapter
0: that, that that's funny and i was going to mention that I, i'm i'm just amazed at the almost universal popularity of the book given given that it's not one of the easiest books to access even for us english readers
2: yeah, it is, and it's it, it's funny. It it has this it, it, there's almost a badge of honor, I think. Um, <laughs> but there is a tip that I, I'll give you privately later. There's a certain page. If you start at that page, it seemingly makes um, it much easier to, <laughs> to, to to get through. But okay. um, what it does that is it, is that if you visit Dublin on Bloomsday, it becomes all more accessible because and um, you people throughout the streets of Dublin and um, re- reliving that day, um, and and you know it. At the, at the heart of the story is just what you find in every great novel. There's romance, there's um, intrigue, um, and it fundamentally is just a great story.
0: Mm. So for people, um, say, visiting uh, Dublin at uh, other times of the year, uh, is, there, is there plenty to do? Uh, do, they, do you have sort of regular tours and so forth, or even a self-guided tour of places that were mentioned in the book and so forth?
2: Yeah, one of the things that opened just before um, the pandemic was and um, the Museum of Literature of Ireland, oh, wow. okay. um, which is on Stephen's Green, right in the centre of the city, um, overlooking one of our beautiful city parks. Um, and that is just the most beautiful museum because it does everything from, you know, the very oldest of Irish stories and literature and um, to very modern writers. Um, like Mae Finchie and uh, Cecilia Hearn, mm. um, and just tells the story of Irish literature and how it was formed and has a really beautiful tribute to Seamus Heaney. Um, and I think one of my favourite attractions that opened recent years was the Heaney Home Place, um, which was um, built in the middle of the countryside in the land that inspired Heaney. Um, and it's it, it's a very moving experience, Um because it's so so modern and so raw and his his death was so recent, Um, but his poetry is so of the place and was so inspired of the place he grew up and and they've just done, it's run by the family, the family are involved in running it and it's just the most beautiful um, day for, for literature enthusiasts.
0: Oh, extraordinary. I'm so glad you, you mentioned uh, Seamus Heaney. He's one of my favourites, certainly, and just such a beautiful, beautiful poet. And and again, to be able to, look, I, I guess he's it's, it's almost um, an unofficial cultural ambassador in a way, because we all think of him as so, so Irish, and the language is just so musical. It's just wonderful, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. And it, 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 it's so many universal themes. and. Um, but yet, uh, based on, you know, um, I was the one about um, the blackberries and, you know, it's, it's an absolutely universal theme about how the world moves on, mm. but just told in the simplest of language. And which I think is, is real genius is to kind of you make a simple concept explain something that's really very complex
0: no you're absolutely right now the other big thing that has been happening is the the advent or, or, or a sort of a a more of a focus on sustainable tourism during during the period when many of us couldn't travel and so forth there was a lot of um, emphasis on um, I guess, um, travelling that is very sort of health conscious I suppose but also conscious of climate change and so forth and you may know that we've had a change of government and perhaps part of the reason that last government was kicked out was due to the majority of the population here in Australia being very concerned about climate change and many of those love to travel. So what's going on over in your neck of the woods in terms of sustainable tourism? Yeah, I
2: think we're very aware, I think there's two things that we're very aware of. One is uh, we're so associated with the colour green um, that now you know, <laughs> there's the pressure that comes with that to, to prove your green credential well um, done. and the other thing is because, yeah, because we're an island um, you know you have to fly or get a boat to get to us yes. and so then it's up to us to make it as sustainable an experience once you get there so some very practical things have happened um, in the last few months and um, the fares on public transport have been greatly reduced and mm. um, making them really competitive. So the government is consciously encouraging people uh, through reducing fares to, to take public transport. And um, there's lots of rural bus networks now mm. that allow you to visit places like the Cliffs of Moher. And, yeah, and just this opportunity. Um, and I think also that lots of the um, tourism providers and the accommodation providers are really making very conscious steps towards being more sustainable mm. um, in their practices. And a big thing for us is um, community sustainability and you know this idea of sustainable communities where uh, if you visit an area for an iconic attraction that the, the community fully benefits from that that you know we limit the amount of day tours to iconic attractions and make them overnight stays so by clustering a number of activities together so um, County Clare on the west coast quite close to Shannon Airport and um, would have done some really good work in that area linked to the cliffs of Moher and um, but encouraging people to spend longer time there um, in, you know, visiting other attractions and visiting small community network um, attractions as well. Um, and that for us, you know, extending the season so you don't have all the visitors coming in a short period of time mm, is really important, but also extending. So that's why we, we love Australian visitors because they spent an average over 13 nights in Ireland. And so they really do discover throughout the island and not just going to the kind of iconic spots.
0: Mm. Look, what interests me, too, is, is people always talk about ideal times of the year to visit a certain country or a certain city. But, but you know, in reality, every season does offer its, its, um, its attractions, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and we'd always say that if you, if you visit Ireland in the winter, it, it just lends itself to, to cozy pubs and, mm, of and of rather course. warm. We have a real temperate climate. It never gets too hot. It never gets too too cold. Um, and you can you kind of hit on a sunny day pretty much any time between March and October. Um, and and I think for different places, it's that you know, Halloween, which happens at the end of October, has become a really big celebration for us. So oh, wow. Ireland is the birthplace of Halloween, and hmm. um, even though you know, it has spread throughout um, America at this stage um, and throughout the world at this stage. But it was, it, its origins are in Ireland. So we have two big festivals, one close to Dublin called Puka and one up in Derry, Londonderry. Um, and that's the end of October and um, into the first week of November, and that makes that a great time to visit. and We have really great traditional music festival, Tradfest, which takes place in Dublin in January, which if you're visiting Dublin, that's a great time and you like Irish music. that's a great time to visit mm. there. and then things like the Wexford Opera Festival takes place in November and um, in wexford and and all of these festivals have grown around encouraging people to come at different times of the year and um, which you know it, and it's, it's a less busy time. Um, and a great time to you know,
0: see more, really. Yeah, look, I'm glad you mentioned festivals too because that is a really interesting way of um, – it's just something that adds adds to tour- the tourism offer overall, doesn't it? Because they, it becomes more of a destination. Sometimes people think, oh, I want to go to Island. Then they look at what festivals are on and think, I'm going to go at that time because that's the festival I want to go to. And it really, to me, just looking at what goes on in Australia throughout the year, it makes a real difference to to a particular city's offerings because there's something going on all the time.
2: Yeah, and there's so many and varied that there really is something for everyone. But mm. I, I think the other thing that's great about festivals in Ireland is that they're, they're for the people who live there as well. And um, yes. so it's a great way. You know, we say that the, the best thing about holiday in Ireland is um, meeting with the locals, um, and you know, engaging with the locals. And there's no better way to do that than at a festival when they're also um, out enjoying themselves. And not kind of caught up in their in day-to-day work and so it's a great time to engage with people and to and just to spend time with them and we, we you know, the thing that we say about the Irish is that we're really noisy so we're not lo- really noisy so we love you know we love asking questions and um, but that means we also love sharing information and yes. you know, helping people have a great holiday experience.
0: Well, it, sounds, it almost sounds as though just about everyone there is an expert tour guide.
2: Well, that's it, yeah. I, I remember one time a journalist coming in and, and I asked him afterwards, I said, you know, what would your one piece of advice be to anybody uh, visiting Ireland?" And he said, to ask questions because that's where you find the things that are off the beaten track. That's mm. how you find out what's really special about an area. It's how you see experiences that you don't find in a guidebook.
0: That's the other thing I want to ask you too because there's been an increased interest, hasn't there, in off-the-beaten-track experiences. And I'm wondering how you... How you would go about promoting or marketing those aspects? Because there, there, there must be a tipping point, surely, where they suddenly no longer become <laughs> hidden secrets or off the beaten track. So there must be a delicate balance there, surely.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing is those that they're replicated many times throughout Ireland. Right. And um, so something like food tours, or um, we say that there's this huge growth in whiskey distilleries. There's now over forty mm. you can visit throughout Ireland, wow. and similarly with gin distilleries, and um, that they've really changed in and. Um, in recent years and more and more of them have become um, have become available for people to visit. So while they're unique experiences and they're all each individually quite small, they're replicated in multiple locations and um, and there's kind of a similarity in, in the themes of them which makes it easier to, to to market. The other thing is, you know, we say to people is and um, when you're visiting Ireland, don't over plan your days, you know, leave space for the things mm. you don't know you want to see yet. And <laughs> um, and it's not a holiday to be rushed, which is why I think you know when Australian visitors come and they spend two weeks, they really get the best of it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I was, I was talking to our travel editor Stephen in Rome this morning, and he said you you should always plan into your itinerary times where you've got nothing planned, and just go out yeah. and allow things to happen because that's often where you have the most the the best experiences.
2: Yeah, you know, and it is you know to sit, go into a cafe and have a coffee or. Into a pub and sit up at the bar and ha- enjoy a Guinness um, and just enjoy the chat with the locals, and um, you know, and, and that's the real thing. And um, you know, it's a place like Dingle where it's just sitting up at the bar as people come in for a drink after work and just the chat that happens and just um, it's a, it's a great way to, to just find away an hour. or So
0: mm. now, if if you if say say if someone only had like let's say two weeks for argument's sake, um, if they're travelling from Australia because it is a long way to come, um, what. What would you recommend as being a way of perhaps getting a real feel for for the authentic island in, in, su- in such a relatively short amount of time?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, most of the flights come into Dublin. So that's probably a good place to start and mm. everybody wants to see the capital city. Of course. Um, so spend a few days in Dublin. Um, definitely then I, I'd head um, up to Northern Ireland, to Belfast, to the north coast. Um, And right along the north coast of the island of Ireland is the Causeway coastal route, which is just this beautiful driving route. Mm. Um, And that follows then into the Wild Atlantic Way, which goes down the entire western um, seaboard. Um, And just taking your time to explore as you go along there um, and just stopping off in places that interest you is a really great way to do it. I think also mixing your accommodation um, is, is a great thing to do between, you know, modern hotels, maybe have one or two nights in a castle and mm-hmm. um, but also enjoy a bed and breakfast where you stay in a family home. Um and that's a great way to kind of mix up your experience to, to get to get the best of everything. Um ideally you hire a car but not necessarily um as I say the public transport options are improving all the mm-hmm. time um to get around um but you do need to. Get that mix of the urban and rural is a great way to really experience
0: Ireland. No, that does sound like sensible advice. Now, look, Siobhan, if uh, one final question, if I may, and I wanted to ask you about the the enduring attraction for Australians and Western Australians, of course, visitors to Ireland, um, because there's so much that connects us, and certainly there are still so many people here that are of Irish descent, including myself. And I'm just wondering, you know. This shared cultural heritage and this this idea of um, being separated by distance so much and yet and yet sharing so much, I'm wondering if if it if it's almost um, it's almost like a pilgrimage for a lot of Australians. You know, you've you've got to go to Ireland at least once.
2: Yeah, there there is so much shared heritage. I think we found that particularly during the pandemic, when mm. there was just you know all these Irish Bammies just missing their children who were in <laughs> Australia and just that that shared connection. Um, and, and, you know, home did feel very far away, I think, for many people at that time. But yet there was so much that kind of united us. And I would say, you know, um, on arrival in Dublin, there's EPIC. Um, and EPIC is uh, a kind of a centre for Irish diaspora. Um, and you can do a really quick joke chase um, finding your roots, and um, which is a great thing to do then because that gives you the option to visit where your ancestors may have come from on your Irish holiday. Um, mm. And that sense of connection. But I think there's so much more than that. I think, you know, um, that ability to laugh at ourselves and that ability, that ability to to tease each other gently, and um, but be best of friends at the end of it. I think there's a lot in the shared humor and um, that we enjoy together as well. Um, and and um, you know when Australians and Irish people get together, they 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 tend to friend up very quickly, um, and <laughs> just because we're we're quite similar. That love of sport, I think, as well, is really important. And um, and that's definitely something I think anybody any Australian visitors coming to Ireland, it's, it's worth doing. Is just spending a bit of time watching and um, GA which are our, our native sports and okay. football similar enough to uh, your own footy and that's a great thing to do as well because it's just um, that love of sport is, is a really powerful
0: thing too. Oh no, that sounds fantastic, there's so much richness and diversity there, it's just, just wonderful. Now look, um, that's all I've got to ask you, Are there any, is there anything else you'd like to add that you'd like to let Western Australians in particular know about why they should think about planning their trip to Ireland now?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's just Ireland's never been more accessible and mm. um, you know there's lots of um, the, the flights. Uh, capacity is coming back either over the Middle East or of course now with the direct services to London and Rome and um, Ireland's only a short hop from there so mm. it's never been easier to get to Ireland um, uh, and we're you know ready to roll out the green carpet. I'm looking forward to welcoming more Australians back to Ireland.
0: Oh, amazing. Well, I, I personally hope to see you over there sometime soon. Well, look, Siobhan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your stay in Australia and New Zealand. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Hope to see you in Ireland. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, Moans, I love that idea of, um, it sounds like what happened to us here in Western Australia when people couldn't travel so much. Everybody started to focus on their own backyard. It was a much much used and overused phrase and almost became, um, I guess, uh, expert travel guides for when it did open up and visitors were and, and friends and family were able to come back. Did you find that was the case?
1: Yes, absolutely, Will. Um, and um, yeah, that... That's a a very good point that, you know, we do become expert tour guides, you know, on backyard as such, and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting out and about. This is kind of like, uh, I, I had a couple of overseas trips, uh, one to Denmark and one to, to Singapore following mm. uh, the opening of the borders, but this is kind of like the first time where I'll be out sort of really touring, if you like. Out on the high so, seas. Uh, so
0: where were you off to? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm flying into Venice, and from there I board a uh, Viking ship, appropriately, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: uh, for a ten day cruise from Venice uh, down through uh, Slovenia, uh, down to Slovenia uh, and uh, to Croatia and uh, Montenegro and. Uh, few of the Greek islands uh, before finally sort of arriving in Athens 10 days later so it's going to be a tough gig I'm, I'm sure
0: but, uh, <laughs> oh, so very I'm, sorry I'm really
1: you. really <laughs> yeah I'm really really looking forward to this because um, I, I don't know whether uh, some of our readers might have seen in our cruising guide last uh, weekend mm. we had uh, sort of obviously a series of stories in there and uh, I had a story in where I talked about the fact that, uh, you know, I enjoyed these old port cities where you can just sort of step off the ship and go for a walking tour and, uh, you know, sort of experience the place by yourself uh, at your own pace. And that's certainly the case in, in the most of the places that we stop off mm. at. So um, yeah I'm really looking forward to that and of course uh, with the viking cruises uh one of the advantages there is that uh, there is a daily uh, a tour arranged or and included it, excuse me in the price uh, at each port mm. so uh, you can of course uh, purchase uh, other options as well but uh, there is a uh, a walking tour. is generally a walking tour uh, through whichever uh, town you land in.
0: Mm. I mean, it's it's fascinating to me that you know. Obviously, these are terrific uh, trips for your um, normal traveller, but for us as travel journalists, it, there is just so much value in these trips because we're visiting so many different so many different countries. Actually, not even just cities and different ports. Yeah and you know yeah exactly I, I know you're saying yeah you know you're going to have a great time and everything but, but as you you've made the point before that you'll actually be working quite hard because you'll be making sure you gather enough material for stories and and there should be like so many stories you can get out of a trip yeah like i this. mean
1: like like you said from from a trip like this you know we have an opportunity to gather a lot of uh, a lot of information, a lot mm. of background, and, mm. and you know, tell stories from each of the ports, as well as the experience on board the cruise ship, of course, and all that sort of stuff. So, so there's so many different aspects to it. So, uh, from a trip like this, you know that uh, our readers will be hearing about this for a long time coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you're going to be like that really annoying person at a dinner party who just doesn't shut up about their luxury yeah. holiday.
1: <laughs> kind of, but I, but, uh, <laughs> I assume, I assume that Steven Scalfield will uh, peg me back a little bit and, <laughs> and sort of space out the story so it's not totally, uh, saturation.
0: <laughs> no, we're very pleased to hear. it. Well, look, no, no, seriously, I actually look, really look forward to hearing your accounts and you'll be setting off in what, just under a couple of weeks from now. So it's not that far away. Yeah, I'm getting really yeah. excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just, uh, uh, sending off the last few confirmations and, and mm. details to, uh, to Viking this morning, and uh, yeah, so it's 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 starting to get real now.
0: <laughs> amazing, so, amazing! And yeah. while you're away, Stephen and I will be down in Albany, which is which is beautiful too. It's a very, just a very different part of the world. Uh, enjoying um, spending course, time with yeah. our West Travel Club uh, members and other people who are down there for the Albany Maritime Festival. So that's going to be a lot of fun too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's where you'll be out and about doing a, a couple of photo a couple walks. Of photo walks.
0: There, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, with, uh, with Stephen instead of your your good self. So that'll be wonderful. Anyway, look, thanks for joining us on the Pod Well Travelled. It's been a real treat. Hopefully, Stephen will be back on board with us next week. In the meantime, as always, you can read us uh, each weekend, Saturday and Sunday in the Sunday Times and uh, the West Australian also online at any time. And as Moen's mentioned earlier, e-travel, our free e-travel digital edition comes out every Wednesday. Just go to westtravelclub.com.au and sign up. Moens, you have a great day and um, we'll talk again soon.
1: Thanks very much, Will. Thank you.